Welcome to the More Than Conquerors podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week, we will feature people of many backgrounds with various stories of things they have overcome. It will be people who are family to me, close friends, acquaintances, and even strangers. I hope this podcast will be a source of inspiration, that you are challenged and encouraged to share your own story of triumph. And at the end of each episode, I hope you too realize that you have a story worth sharing. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of More Than Conquerors. Because of the stay-at-home orders and times being very weird right now, this episode and the ones to come are recorded remotely. It's been fun figuring out how to podcast from afar, and I'm learning a lot. It is at this time where I am thankful for health and safety. I am thankful for a dream to make people's stories known and friends that are willing to share. On today's episode, I was able to interview my friend Linda. I hope you are encouraged by her story and able to take some wisdom from her perspective on life to self-reflect and come out of this better than you were before. Without further ado, welcome my friend Linda. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's perfect. Yay. All right, good. So I'm, I'm curious what you're going to title this. <laughs> so do, you have, like, do you have something I good? <laughs> when I was listening, okay, so I was like overcoming shame, overcoming work-life balance. Like, so mine's like overcoming life. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Hi, everybody. I'm Linda Petrick. I'm old. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm the mother of three grown children. And I am a special education teacher. I've been in special education for 15 years. I was in general education for about five years before that. What do you do for fun? So I do lots of stuff for fun. I like to go hiking. I like to go camping. I like to do road trips. I like being outside. So um, the perfect place to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I bike and walk and yeah awesome. I know you have quite the story to share. What made you want to share your story in the first place? So I've actually been sharing my story for about five years through a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And I have been a part of Celebrate Recovery for 10 years. And it's the program that God used to help me change my life and bring peace into my life. What made you get involved in Celebrate Recovery? My ex-husband was a drug addict. I got into Celebrate Recovery because I was trying to find a program that would fix him. When I went to the program, they just encouraged me to come and not worry about whether he, he would come or not. And God got a hold of me pretty quickly and showed me that I was pretty dysfunctional in the way I was doing life. And that's what got me into recovery. Wow. Were you a believer before you were involved in Celebrate Recovery? Yeah, actually, I was. I was in the church for decades. I think I was a believer before I even actually got saved and baptized. When I first went forward as a child of 13, I was doing it as a bargaining chip because being a codependent, you do things to please people. And I thought doing that would please God. And then he would save my parents from alcoholism. And when that didn't happen, I very quickly and easily fell away from the church. But when I had my own children, 
I knew that I had to come back to the Lord. And so I, I got rebaptized when I was 26 years old. It was my son's first birthday, actually. <laughs> and so I've been following the Lord since then. But I did not learn how to daily turn my will over to him until I started walking the steps of Celebrate Recovery. I see. What are those steps? So it's just like any other 12 step. It's admitting I have a problem. It's recognizing that there's a God that can help me with my problem. It's being willing to turn it over to him. It's being willing to examine my life deeply. It's being willing to share that information with someone else. It's being willing to make things right with first with God, then with others, and then with myself. And then the end steps is sharing your story. Hmm. How do you get from being raised in a home of parents who are struggling with alcoholism to now you're in Celebrate Recovery and on the other side of it? There is no such thing as a perfect home or perfect family, right? And so we all have some dysfunction in our lives, right? We all have hurts in our lives. But when you're raised in an environment with a lot of dysfunction and a lot of abuse and a lot of neglect, you develop some traits and what we call is codependency. So codependency is my huge hurt habit or hang up that explains all the dysfunctional choices I made in my life as far as relationships with other people. When I got into recovery and realized how dysfunctional my thinking was and that I needed healing from that and walked the steps for that and experienced freedom. When you're in the church for all those years, you have all kind of knowledge in your head about the Lord, right? And the Bible, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can actually walk that out in your life. The application part comes when that information goes from your head to your heart, Yeah. right? And so it was walking those steps that helped that happen, where it went from my head to my heart and helped me realize that who I am in Christ. And once I realized that I am so valuable, I am so valuable to God that he gave his son up for me, it changed everything for me. It taught me how to love people genuinely and love myself and set strong boundaries and, and be healthy. And I'm not doing it perfectly. To this day, I'm not doing it perfectly. But I am evolving and I do see his hand on me. And I do see very clearly that a lot of the chaos I lived with and thought was normal no longer exists in my life. What are some things that you would say that you've overcome in life? Okay, so the identity was a big part of it. You know, I was raised in an environment where my job to keep the peace, it was my job to do whatever I could to not let violence erupt in the home. It was my job to be the good child and not do anything wrong. An environment where if someone would compliment me, if someone said to my mom, you have a beautiful daughter, she would say something like, yeah, well, pretty is as pretty does. Or if someone said, oh, look how smart you are. She'd say, yeah, well, she doesn't have a lick of common sense. So it was an environment of I'm never going to be good enough. And then it was also an environment on my dad's side where as long as I was doing the right thing, I was pleasing to him, then I was loved. But if I made a mistake or messed up in any way, he would shame and guilt and displeasure on me and, and withdraw that love. 
I grew up in an environment that you have to earn people's love. My identity was someone who was constantly seeking and trying to earn people's love. But when you get into Celebrate Recovery and walk the steps and you learn that your identity is that you're already loved and that you are loved completely and fully exactly just as you are, it's a paradigm shift. It completely changes you. It changes who you are. It changes how you treat people. It changes the decisions you make because you're so confident that you are loved no matter what. His love is enough for you. Exactly. Yep. How did that paradigm shift change your relationship with your kids? I know probably growing up, it was hard for you as a kid being under that magnifying glass of shame and expectation. And so how did that impact you as a parent? So unfortunately, my oldest daughter was already off to her first year of college before I got into recovery. It took us years to work through. She didn't even live here. She lived in Pennsylvania. So she didn't see the changes that were happening in my life or understand that I was becoming a different person. Just as I wasn't seeing the fact that she was growing into a, a young woman and she was changing. And so we had a really rough relationship for a long time mm -hmm. because we still were relating on that old relationship, if, yep. if you know what I mean. I totally get that now it's different. You know, we're getting to know each other again and understand that those people were in the past and this is who we are now. You know, my son ended up becoming a drug addict too. His dad actually introduced him to drugs. I had a very codependent relationship with him for a long time because I was trying to save him from his drug addiction. When I let him go, it was the hardest thing to tell your child, I'm sorry, you just have to figure this out on your own. Yeah. and just let them go. But it was the best thing I ever did because he ended up in Phoenix Rescue Mission, which is for recovery, but it's also all Jesus all the time, 24-7. He was in and out of that place three times or four times. I don't even remember. But the last time he was in there, he got it. He accepted Christ as a savior. He got baptized. He truly, truly had a relationship with the Lord and was in love with the Lord. We had an amazing relationship because not only was he my son, he was also my brother in Christ. So that was pretty amazing before he passed away. And that was recent when he passed away. Yeah, it was less than a year ago. It was May 21st of last year. Can I ask what happened and how you're doing now? It wasn't a drug overdose. It was complications from drug use that really hurt his body. At one point last year, last March, he had had an overdose and it took four hits of Narcan to bring him back from death. That also damaged his heart. And then when he would use certain drugs, it would affect his asthma really bad and he would have really bad lung problems and breathing problems. And so according to the coroner's report, it was the complications of having used drugs. When anything like that happens so unexpectedly, suddenly... It's really trying to get through, and I've seen it with family, with friends experiencing loss and things like that. How did, how did you make it? How did you get through it? Because I, I know so often when people experience hurt or loss like that, it's, it's hard to kind of pull yourself out of that. So I guess what I'm asking is, what hope did you hang on to? 
It was really hard. It was really hard because for three years prior to his passing, I had specifically prayed to God and asked him to not let that be one of my trials to lose a child because I'd had a friend lose a child. And I knew that that was a possibility, that that was a really real possibility based on his lifestyle. And I had started praying specifically that God would not let that be a trial that I had to go through, assuring God the whole time that I would not survive that. If one of my kids passed, that I would not be able to survive. I would, I would not survive. My son had his overdose last March and we were in the hospital and we didn't know if he was going to live or die. I was sitting next to his bed praying the same thing, you know, don't let him die. I won't, I won't make it. I won't be able to survive. Don't let him die. And I heard the Lord say to me, let go the words let go. And so I started arguing with them right away. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because I have let go. I, I let this kid live on the street. I have done everything I know of to let go. And so I don't know what you mean by let go. And at that point, he showed me a picture of my fist being clenched because my soul was holding on to my son's soul so tightly. And so from March until May, when he passed away, I really feel that that whole time span was just grace from God because he helped pry those fingers open one at a time in that two month period, allowing me to let go. But the beauty of it is I get to see him again. So the assurance of that helped get me through. But this whole year has lasted, it feels like 10 years to me. Yeah. And in the beginning, I was in a really dark place. I was angry with God. I was disappointed that his plan didn't match up with my plan. I was devastated. You know, I, I felt like I couldn't even breathe. There were days where I felt like I couldn't even breathe. And a few weeks where I was in such a dark, dark, dark place. Finally, I just realized, and I was just like, Lord, you know, I, I get it. I can live without my son, but I can't live without you. And I have built this brick wall between us and this is a dark place and I don't know how to get out of here and I need you to come in and get me and pull me out. Yeah. And he did. He did that. That three weeks felt like years to me. I felt like I was separated from the Lord for years. It was a very dark place and a very scary place to live. And I knew I could not live in that place. I just cried out to him and he came and rescued me. I think something that I was all, always impressed by is if I would walk by you at school and ask you how you're doing, you would be honest. On days that were hard, you would say, I'm not doing good and today is hard. And I think that helped and make me realize, oh yeah, I still need to be a good friend. I still need to be praying for her. I still need to be asking her how she is because I feel like just your vulnerability to share in the depths of each moment that you lived, spoke volumes to just, okay, I know she's hurting. Well, when you're in that place, you feel the prayers of your friends lift you up. It's not something that can be explained in words, but when you are in a place like that, you can feel the prayers of the people that love you lift you up. When we experienced loss, like losing Connor's dad, I, I feel like I wouldn't know what to say or what to do, but to pray. And that's all I could do. And at the time it felt so helpless, but as, as days moved on to months, moved on to years, I can see, Hey, we got through that. We lifted our head each day and we kept going. And, you know, some days are easier than others, but 
I don't know how people could get through a loss like that without knowing the Lord, without having the option to pray, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I really don't either. I don't know how I could have survived that if I hadn't had the Lord. I I really don't. What I have learned in the last year is that, you know, the Bible says there's a time for everything, right? So there is a time for grief and there is a time for sorrow and there is a time for pain. And, and it's okay, and it's expected in life, because Jesus says in this world, you will have, have sorrow, you will have trouble. But what I have realized, and this sounds really weird, and some people don't understand where I'm coming from, but what I have realized is that pain and suffering have a real true place in our lives, and it produces really good fruit. It has given me the ability to have compassion and understanding that I would have, I have never had before. There's nothing anybody can say when someone's lost someone. There's nothing anybody can say that's going to make you feel better. Nothing at all. And so you have friends and they try to help you. They want to help you. And sometimes the stuff they say is not very helpful. (laughs) And, and it's actually sometimes very painful. But what happened to me when that would happen is I would say to myself, I know this is a person that loves me and I know this is a person that's trying to make me feel better and I'm not going to hold any grudges or resentment against them. But then I would speak the truth and love and say, you know what, what you're saying didn't help me. But it also made me realize that when my friend lost her son three years earlier, I probably did the exact same thing to her Mm -hmm. wanting to make her feel better. I probably said some really stupid things. It's, it just gave me an understanding that I didn't have before. I know someone who just lost their kid too, but sometimes I feel like helpless. I don't, I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to say anything at all. What would you and say that's to fine. someone like that? You know what? That's fine. Don't say anything. Just be there. Yeah, just be there and, and don't say anything. You don't have to say anything. There's nothing you can say. I've had friends lose their kids in the last year, too. A friend of mine lost her 19-year-old son on his 19th birthday. Wow. And all I could say was, I know your pain, and I love you, and I'm here. So simple, yet speaks volumes. Yeah. Just being there. Just be there. You don't have to say anything. You're not going to fix it anyway. Yeah. To kind of bring it full circle... How do you feel like your codependency is now? Do you feel like that's something that you've overcome? Codependency is this huge, huge umbrella of dysfunctional thinking. And I have spent the last 10 years believing that I was going to recover from some parts of codependency, but I would never be free from the whole thing. But I feel like in the past year, the Lord told me that that's a lie and that he didn't come here to, to free me from some things. He came here to free me from everything. I believe at some point I will be completely healed from my codependency, but I still still have codependent traits and I, I still act codependently at times, but I'm more aware of it. It comes to the, you know, to the, oh, I did it again, you know, a lot quicker. And then I'm able to turn around a lot quicker now too. Will I be free 100% one day? Absolutely. I have no doubt. I'm just not there yet. How do you think your story from how you grew up to losing some family members very close to you and everything in between, how do you think your story has 
power to impact people in your circle. So maybe those are people in Celebrate Recovery or people you work with or your students. When I share my story, you know, and I share going through all the steps and what each step did, when you're sharing with someone about the Lord, they can argue Bible points with you. They can argue history with you. They can, they can argue a whole bunch of stuff with you, right? But they can't argue your story because it's your story. You know, God brought me from a place of severe dysfunction, a life of torment and chaos and completely devoid of joy to a place where I have peace and contentment and amazing joy and joy and happiness are not the same thing because there are times when I am unhappy, but that doesn't take away my joy. So, and, and that's another thing that people, you can't explain it. They just have to live through things in life till the, that they get it. Joy is having that underlying capacity to know that you're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. And God's on your side. Yeah. That just peace that surpasses all understanding. Yeah. A couple questions to finish our time together. First one is, what would you say to your younger self? It's funny because this school year, I had, I had a little girl in my class who, who came up to me in tears one day and said, you know, Ms. Petrick, these sixth grade girls told me I was ugly. And she was crying. I put my arms around her and hugged her tight. And as I was comforting her and telling her, you know, that's not true. You are very beautiful. I suddenly connected with that little girl inside of me. And I knew that if I could have believed that back then, that I am beautiful and I am worthy of love. And God created me specifically for a purpose that only I could feel. If I, if I could have known that years ago you know, my life might have been very different. But I can't regret anything that has happened in my life. Because all of it has made me have this relationship with Jesus that I would never trade. I wouldn't have the same relationship with Jesus that I have if my I hadn't lost my son. I wouldn't have the same relationship with Jesus if I hadn't been abused as a child. It's all serves a purpose. He's at work in the details. He's making you a better you whether you can see it or not. We have a prayer meeting on Sunday nights. And one of the things I've been praying is that I thank God for my suffering. I thank him for it because it has put me in a very different place. It reminds me of the Bible verse, Romans 5, 3 through 5, that says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All the suffering that we go through, all the pain, all the hurt, all the loss kind of builds us up for whatever comes next so that we can always know that he'll be faithful. He got me through it then. He'll get me through it now. And that's the hope that I cling to. Yeah. And this is not our home. This is boot camp. This is our training ground. When the Lord comes back, we get to serve him in a whole new way. He has jobs for us. You know, most people think they're going to go float around on clouds. 
else. But the truth is we're going to have work to do and it's going to be joy filled and joyous work that we're going to love doing. But this life is, is a training ground for that. It's not our end destination. He's called us to bigger and greater things. Yeah. So that's what we hope in and that's what we hope for. And if we could fix our eyes on that truth, we know that, oh, the suffering that I'm going through right now, like it's just a mist. It'll be gone in a moment. We'll get through it. Yeah. To wrap up our time together, what is something that you are reading, watching, or loving right now? Okay, so I'm reading the book Captivating by Stacey Eldridge. Yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah, it is good. I just finished reading Discerning the Voice of God by Priscilla Shire. Okay, that's sitting on my bookshelf. Yeah, that one's good too. On my next to read list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one's good too. Can I just share my life first with you? Yeah, please. Okay, so my life first is John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And I chose that as my life first because of all those years being codependent and only, yeah, going to church, but not really following the Lord. I kept pulling myself away from the vine and then wondering why my life didn't have any fruit to it. (laughs) To be so grafted into him. And to recognize that any fruit I bear is only him. It's not me. For maybe a non-believer listening, what do you mean by fruit, bearing fruit? So what I was talking about, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. So it's harder to kind of show those things apart from him. Yeah. The other fruit we bear is actually, you know, sharing him with people. And when they come to know him because we've shared and then they become our fruit. Yeah. Just that people would understand the depth of God's love in Romans chapter eight. It says absolutely nothing, nothing on this earth or beyond this earth or in this earth, or even in ourselves can separate us from God's love. And to know that as a, a solid truth and foundation for your life. And then Also, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 3.20, where it says that, you know, Jesus is willing to give us way more than we can even imagine to ask for. He is so faithful. He is faithful to his word. We have so much to hope for. We have so many good things in our lives. So when we end up in heaven and we all get a crown, you know that, right? But we're going to be so, so aware that every single jewel in that crown was because of Jesus, that we're going to lay all our crowns at his feet. And it's, it's worth striving for. It's worth focusing on and putting your hope in because, like you said, apart from the vine, you can do nothing. If you're out there and you, you feel like you're, you're trying all these things, you're being a good person, but yet that joy that we speak of, you don't have. There's a, a hole in you. It's because Jesus wants to fill it. He wants to prove that he's enough. And if you can pour all of your energy and focus and actions into him connected to the vine, then you can bear much fruit, more than you can ever imagine. Exactly. That's yeah. my takeaway from 
your story. I, I found a, a letter from my son recently. I have it tucked in my Bible, but in this one part of it, he says, you know, keep doing what you're doing, mom. You know, he said, because when you get to heaven, you're going to hear the words, um, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a pretty neat promise as well. Yeah. And it's, it's cool that he called it out of you because one day yeah. he'll be there and he'll see. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing time with me today. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for just being willing to share and kind of let us peek into your world for a moment. I know that good things will come of this too, just in, in your circle, in my circle, and then just random people who come across it will hear and be able to latch onto some sort of nugget of hope. Yeah. That's my prayer for this whole podcast world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, being an encourager is, is a gift. And so you're definitely an encourager. So. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you for taking time to meet with me. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. I'm, I'm very proud of you, Ashley. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Your story is such a good tool to tell people about Jesus. Because mm -hmm. like you said, you can get so lost in the details of scripture and debating different points. And does this story match up with this story? Whereas you can't argue the fact that he has taken hold of your heart and he has changed your life. And that is a joy that you want to share with other people. Right. So for you to have that same kind of view of your story and be able to share it with me, it was such a gift. All right, dear. You All right. Good afternoon. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.